Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I am Rich Trapier. And this is episode 27 of History on the Table. Rich, by the, by the time everyone hears this, we're going to be like exactly one month until Historic Fest. I'm excited. I'm talking. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm got done with my, my hell month from work, and now uh, next thing in my sights is, well, technically the next thing in my sights is my sister's wedding this weekend, but I don't oh, have yeah. to do anything for that. I'm really much more concerned about next war, next war con. Yes, uh, and you you've signed up for the uh, the six person combined game of the the China scenario, right? Yes, absolutely. It That's looks crazy. fun. Yeah, yeah, I'll be uh, poking my nose in. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a lot of pictures and make sure that that's that's one of those cool things that not not a lot of people um, obviously will will ever get to do, but play a game of that scale like that, especially with Mitch being there with us, so we can hey Mitch him all weekend long mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Good. Um, I, if I like, I mean, I don't know how this is going to go. I think I'm just going to be a little bit busy, but I would have normally done that. Yeah. Um, I I'm hope you get be... to play something. Oh, yeah. I So what I plan on doing, and this is actually, we're jumping to listener questions just a little bit. Someone asked us over on our Discord, join our Discord if you want. Um, what games are you each each of you most looking forward to play at Sork Fest. Well, you're going to be busy all weekend. Yeah, for me, it's definitely an X-Horror. Um, if I have a chance to play in any ASL, I will, um, but it's going to be mostly next war. Nice. And I am going to do the last 100 yards tournament because the footprint's small enough, and I'm kind of parking the last 100 yards area near, it's not really a registration table, but where I'm going to be camped. And those games should be quick enough that I'll be able to pop up and, and do what I need to do. Uh, so that's fine. Last hundred yards, and then I'll I'll try to pick up ASL or or drop in on something. Someone was doing a big combined, or was sh- asking if anyone had any interest in the the big memoir. Um, oh yeah, I saw that. Game. Mm-hmm. I I've never done that, and I I like memoir. Um, I mean I've kind of I don't get around to playing it much anymore, but I've always wanted to do the big one of the big Overlord scenarios. Yeah, it seems like it would be fun. Sure. I mean, just light checking dice and having a bunch of people, having mm-hmm. an overall commander. I mean, that's that's the thing that appeals to me most. Not not so much just playing a bunch of memoir, but throwing in the rules where you have an overall commander to divvy up cards when you know everyone wants cards and wants to do stuff. Yeah. Should be fun. So we'll see if that happens. Um, we'll dive into the show. The, the one quick thing I'll, I'll mention about the con real quick is we have uh, wonderful, wonderful sponsors. And one of them I'll mention... Is the World War One Museum? They kicked in some uh, two free passes to the World War One Museum. We're gonna do a drawing for those early, so anyone can plan, go to the museum while they're in town, do that kind of thing. But you have to be registered no later than July third at midnight or whatever. So on the morning of Fourth of July, in the Facebook group, I'm gonna do a live stream and I'm gonna draw a name from everyone who's registered by then, and they win the two free passes. Nice. So make sure you're signed up by then. Yeah. If that's well, that's that's definitely my Thursday plans, whether I win the passes or not. My my family's going to that on Thursday. That's so good. Yeah. I, I think I told you hop on the streetcar after you're done. Just just take it yeah. around the loop. It's right down the hill from there. And stop in Union Station, do all that stuff. It's been so long since I've been to KC. Uh, the the I mean, area around the world been one probably really twenty five cool. years. Wow. Yeah. Well, you will you will love the world. I'm I'm curious. I 
probably won't go between them. They have a new like virtual out virtual reality exhibit um, that I think is supposed to like mimic being in a, a trench. They have a this right. That's wonder- the, uh, the Dan Carlin one. Oh, is it? Yeah, I didn't he, that. he originally set that up down in Texas somewhere, I think. And then I saw because he re- recently released his uh, his latest podcast. And uh-huh. then he mentioned that that was going to be in KC at the World oh, War One Museum now. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyone, you or anyone who's in town and runs the museum while they're here, let me know what you think about it. Oh, definitely. I want to go. Because who doesn't want to be in a World War One artillery barrage? <laughs> <laughs> Except for <laughs> right. like people that actually have been in one. <laughs> right. Uh, good. Uh, well, let's get into it. Uh, sign up for Historic Fest, folks. We've had a nice uptick of people just with things improving, and I think we've got a really good crowd with a lot of stuff going on. Last 100 Yards, ASL, Next WarCon, uh, and just open gaming out the wazoo. There's games. I'm going to put out a little planning document, games to be played, all that kind of stuff. But um, let's just get into it. Let's talk yeah. about games. Games on the shelf. Games on the shelf. The, uh, okay. I, this may be the first time definitely in since we've been doing our podcast but maybe in years or years or years i have not bought a single game in the last month wow i i was, I was doing pretty good i actually did go to miniature market one time because i was in the area if uh-huh. they'd had atlantic chase on the shelf there i probably would have picked oh. it up but i didn't get anything yeah, I think I mentioned I got that last time. And mm-hmm. technically, I bought a copy of Bayonets and Tomahawks. I just don't have it yet. I bought a copy um, from from Mitch, who's delivering it to a store fest. And, okay. uh, but I did. I was doing pretty good. I had bought a bunch of RPG stuff around my birthday. Um, and then Miniature Market had a sale. And the, the only couple things I'll mention from there is, ha- have you heard of Cthulhu Death May Die? Yeah, it's a minis board game, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's not like it's Cthulhu, right? But it's mm-hmm. not like Mansions of Madness. Um, it's like action movie Cthulhu. So instead of like this great mystery, like you're running around getting scared, and I'm sure you go in, like you'll go insane. I think you actually start insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they sum it up, like your goal is to shoot Cthulhu in the face. <laughs> so you're not trying to stop them; you actually want to summon them so you can kill them. And so nice. it's just like over the top. Okay action uh and looks like a, a lot of fun so yeah i've heard of the game but i've never actually played it so uh that i i would like to play it i like mansions of madness it's been a long time since i played it um but i just i thought it was a nice like twist on the because everything's like your characters don't know what's going on and this is like the turning that cthulhu vibe on its head a little bit hmm and, and your then, unpainted have, mini backlog gets a little uh, bit longer. We weren't going to talk about that. <laughs> have, have you ever heard of the Modern Land or, or Modern Naval games from Dan Versen Games? I've heard of them, but I haven't played them. Okay, I haven't played them either. And they were like 13 bucks or... God, no, I think they were even less than that. I think they were 9 bucks. They're card games, uh, right? They're card games. Super mm-hmm. light. And I think just beer and pretzels get a whole bunch of people together and you know duke it out in these naval battles on on the tabletop i think they're super light so i got a, a one each for myself and then i got a couple to throw in the prize pool for historic fest and then i'm gonna bring them for like a nighttime game and just say hey because i yeah. think it plays like six or more people sounds like a perfect evening game i was right. a tank I, duel would be a great evening game yeah but i don't think this is so did i but i think this is like so much more lighter than okay tank duel so I was, I was pretty excited about this i don't think they're like 
games that knock down any doors or anything are, are super great. I think it's just going to be like a good late night drinky beer and pretzels. Yeah, these are boats, but we're just shooting each other and going back and forth. So uh, you can win a copy at Sorkfest or you can hopefully play. So cool. Uh, but that's it. That's it for me. A whole bunch of RPG stuff that I don't even remember. So yeah. I didn't buy it, but technically I did receive uh, an RPG. We'll oh, talk about yeah. it later. But we Wandering actually, Stars, yeah. We, we should talk about that now. So um, Jason from Advance After Combat did a Kickstarter for Wandering Stars, which is a rules light um, spacefaring uh, RPG based off the, uh, I believe, Tunnel Goons. Yeah, he says in the off. book what he's based off of. I can't remember. Yeah, and I can't remember the, but I've I've played the game. It's super fun, very light, and one of my favorite things is just like the random ass character generation. Like the characters are bonkers, mm-hmm. uh, really fun. And uh, I think he's got some print copies left. Um, and if he does, I'll put a link in the show notes because I I thought he saw he posted something on Twitter where he said he had a few left to sell. And cool. then if not, the the PDF's available. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. It's fun stuff. If you get the PDF, you don't get the cool sticker though. I got the That's rocking right. horse sticker. That's right. That's <laughs> right. It, it's fun stuff. I'm really <laughs> well. We'll talk. I want to talk about like I. I'm really liking rules light RPGs and like I'm working on one. But on the sharp contrast to that, I've also like gone into one of the deepest RPGs I, I've ever experienced. But nice. I'll save that for for later. Well, I am a hundred percent gonna play Wandering Stars sometime before we record again in the next month or so. So I'll nice let you know how it goes. Good. 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 Uh, let's talk about some books. Have you read anything? Um, I'm ha- about halfway through a book called Washington's Immortals by Patrick uh, O'Donnell. Have you heard of this book? No. Uh. It's pretty good. It's about this uh, small unit of really elite troops um, during the American Revolutionary War. They fought in the Battle of Long Island or the Battle of Brooklyn. It's the same battle. It's got depends on it's got a couple different names, but basically, um, you know, the British. Obviously, New York is kind of surrounded by water. British completely surrounded it um, with their Navy, which (laughs) we had no hopes of stopping and um, almost trapped Washington's entire army. And this is very early in the war. I mean, if we had if Washington's army had been trapped, the war might have been over right there. Um, But it's about a small group of guys from, I think, Baltimore that basically held off the entire British army and allowed Washington's army to retreat and fight another day. So. You know, Washington in the Revolutionary War was known for his ability to get away from sticky situations. But these guys, they called him, they even called him at the time. They were, uh, sort of compared them to the, the, the Persian immortals back then. So um, it's a pretty good book. Yeah, you're liking it? Yeah, yeah. I'm about halfway through, um, which is interesting, though, because halfway through, they've already, like, I'm, I'm curious to see where it goes from here. Because the Battle of New York, or uh, Long Island is basically over at this point and i still have half the book to go hmm. oh well let me know when you're done mm-hmm. i've been thinking about starting rick atkinson's book which one uh, uh rick, the well i guess yeah the, his, the his revolutionary his, uh, war yeah british, his, are the british are coming yep. yeah i've got that on my short list i've been you know we had our uh last weekend we had my in-laws over to watch hamilton mm-hmm. and it's got me back on a revolutionary war kick again oh, it's that time of year yeah <laughs> Uh, I've been doing a little bit of reading. Not, I've been reading a whole bunch of like, uh, like uh, through hike on the Appalachian Trail books and, and running books and stuff, which I'll talk about later. That were good, but like historically or like sci-fi or the stuff we typically talk about. Um, I read 
the battle Sekigahara, and this is by Charles Rivers editors and i kind of compare it to like the you know the osprey books you could get on oh sure different sure. topics it's kind of like that and this is a, a little spoiler for our featured game which is going to be sekigahara um and this was good enough it's like okay if i really just wanted to read something more than a wikipedia page or yeah. the stuff that's included in the the rule book it's like one third pre Sekigahara, one third the the campaign, and then one third post Sekigahara, and it talks about Japan adopting um, uh, firearms and the different weapons the samurai preferred, and just the turmoil before Sekigahara, and you know the stability afterwards, and then and so it's it's a very very quick like. I just want to know something about this battle, and I have an hour. Sure. You know. Did you see the Netflix series on the samurai? The I second? did not finish okay. it. It's I was just curious to know how the information in the book compared to what was presented in the series. You're never quite sure what's historicized and what's fictionalized, you know what I mean? So we have... Actually, I played Sekigahara. we got to finish our game. Um, and well, let's just... Um, well... Let me say what I'm going to say. We'll talk about Sekigahara later. Uh, our buddy, uh, Caleb, who is like, who eats up Japanese history. Yeah. He was super impressed by the Netflix documentary because the historians they had talking on there are like the checklist of these are the guys you want to have on here if you're going to. So, yeah, which seems from him, it got a, a passing grade. I mean, like, obviously, the absurd amount of beheadings and dramatizations are a little <laughs> over the top but i think the information presented is very accurate that is really good just because i mean it's anytime you see something on an entertainment channel like netflix you're just you're not entirely sure but that's good to right hear. yeah and then the other thing i've been reading i want to talk about it have you ever read russian sci-fi specifically anything by the strugatsky brothers russian sci-fi no it, I, I read it's it's the, they're not the ones that did the Lord of the Ring from the orc side, oh, are they? Because no. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Okay, no, I don't think I have, but I do love cheesy Russian stuff. I love Russian World War Two movies on Amazon Prime. <laughs> they're like nice. so propagandistic, and I love them. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. There's like a whole subsection of sci-fi that's just. Um, just Soviet sci-fi that either after the Cold War like got published or translated or however it works. And a few years ago, I read this short story called Definitely Maybe, which is about this guy in an apartment complex and all this wacky – it's really hard to explain. And some people hate it. I loved it. I walked away and thought this is one of the best short books I've ever read. It's just super bizarre. So I finally got around to reading a book called Roadside Picnic, which is the book I'm talking about now. Um, which is considered like their best work. I think there's another one that's considered like their their magnum opus, and they have one that's like a super weird sci-fi Agatha Christie gone wrong. But Roadside Picnic is is super good. I just wanted to recommend um, this stuff to anyone interested in yeah. in weird sci-fi. That sounds like it's right up my alley. I mean, I don't know if you're big Star Wars fans, you know, do you know about Thrawn and Star yeah. Wars? Uh -huh. So the whole idea of like, you can tell about a culture from their art. I buy into that. And 
I really like, that's why I like the weird Russian propaganda movies. Um, one of my favorite books that I ever read was called Two Sides of the Moon. It was written by an American astronaut and a Russian cosmonaut together talking about the space race. I like hearing the other guy's point of view. And I really like what you're just describing, the sort of weird science fiction where you can sort of see the, the and maybe you can't, but you can sort of see the Cold War culture under the writing. I think that's yes. cool. Yeah, and I think that is true of some of their stuff and like all of most of their stuff. Definitely maybe is not available on there, but a lot of the books are available on like Libby or Hoopla. So you can yeah. go listen to these. Um I think some do represent and have, you know, undertones or or criticisms of um the Soviet Union from that time. I think others aren't. I think they're just wonderful sci-fi stories, uh but they're good 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 stuff i recommend them this one is like aliens visit or something visits i'm not done with it um and leaves these like zones but there's all this weird technology that this one guy keeps sneaking into the zone and, and taking yeah. out um is this stuff. one you like the best roadside picnic uh i'm not done with it okay um and this is only my second one from them but then i have the whole queue of like everything else that's available to go through next Definitely maybe is fantastic, but it's it's bonkers and was a little bit hard to follow. But also I think it's a novella and I think I like read it in a afternoon or something when my wife was out, so Yeah, it's good stuff. Alright, let's talk about games again. Um Games, yeah. We should do that. We should. I other than our featured game, I don't know if we really have anything new to I mean, I was busy as heck and you were busy as heck, and then you know, I had my little birthday deal, and the whole plan was to play uh, Conquest of Paradise because it's Tiki theme, and that's yeah. Hawaiian and Polynesian Islands and all that stuff. And there's just no way that we would have been able to. <laughs> we played uh, Crokinole till like two in the morning. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, but I did play a a great game of Shirko, uh, which is just the tabletop baseball game. I've talked about it before. I think I uh, Shirko is my preferred baseball more so did you play mitch's copy that doug pimped out i mean uh yeah 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 i did um and so now i'm pimping out my own i bought these little um litco square counters that i'm gonna mod podge all the pieces on yeah and then i've i've printed off the cards and i bought the the uh, cheap pack of 1985 royals complete roster tops cards that i'm gonna mod podge the Oh, we got to play cards on play, the back of. We got to play Royals Cardinals then for eighty five. That's right, and, absolutely. Uh, no, no cheating umpires in this don't, this version. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I refuse to Every St. Louisan knows the name Don Denkinger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in short, Shirk is really good. And so is Stratomatic, but I would, if you put them both down in front of me, I'm probably going to play Shirko unless, like, Stratomatic has more teams. And Stratomatic is a better purchased product. Like, there's no, the print version of Shirko is garbage. Just print it off on computer paper. Yeah. Like, with Stratomatic, you get a board and a little box and all that stuff, so they get points there. But uh, it's gameplays, and it all comes down to, like, uh, we played, uh, Mitch and I did, and we we played in person, had a great time, had some of his uh, named tkd drinks which were <laughs> strong and delicious and um his point was it just all comes down to chucking the dice and it does you you maneuver players this way and that way and bring yeah. in new pitchers and all that stuff. but it tells such a great story 
Yeah, it's fun. It's I mean, it's like baseball itself, because as a fan in baseball, you know, you're not making the decisions, but you just want to see what happens. So, yeah. Yep. Um, uh, between Sherco and Stratomatic, which one has better support? Because I know you like like I know you're a fan of Negro Leagues and stuff like that. Which one would be if you if you wanted to play more obscure stuff? Does it matter? Stratomatic. Stratomatic. I uh, there was an email last year that the Negro Leagues were coming to Stratomatic. Now, and now that Negro League stats are a part of baseball MLB stats, there are rules in the back of Sherco to make any player based off their stats like the conversion is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could make whatever you want. Um, the nice thing when you buy a team from Stratomatic, you get cards. When you okay. buy a team from Sherco, you get a spreadsheet. Okay. The card things are all supplemental made by other people. Got it. And it's nuts that they don't. Do they cards. all have, or both have official MLB support? Like you no. can use the players, real Which names is, or how's Oh, work? you can use the players names. Um, I don't know if Stratomatic does or not. I'm not sure how they get around that. Huh. But also, like, I know they worked in – Stratomatic worked with the Negro Leagues Museum because the, the set from last year uh, gave money to them. Okay. Speaking of that, speaking of that, I am drinking a Boulevard Tip Your Cap baseball beer, which is their Negro Leagues Centennial Celebration beer. It's pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Are you drinking I'm, anything tonight? Yeah, I'm drinking an Old Fashioned. Nice. I bought some bitters because I, I had been drinking most of my whiskey just straight or maybe a ginger ale or something. I bought some bitters and been drinking old fashions lately. And I, now I got my wife hooked on them too. Nice. You know, I don't like old fashions. I'm not knocking you for them. I just, uh, at one point I had one and I just settled on the fact that I don't like them. <laughs> Fair enough. So. That's uh, the thing. The- There's so many drinks out there. Right, exactly. I'll find something else <laughs> like the TKD, which is... <laughs> um. The, the only other thing is uh, I'm out of the ATS tournament. I lost. I did not oh. advance to the semifinals. Uh, great job on that group doing that. And the last scenario played, I just wanted to mention because um, there's so many ASL and ATS scenarios out there. Oh, yeah. And there's a ton of good ones. So I think it's worth mentioning the good ones out there because there's also bad ones. Uh, Pebbles in the Stream is what it's called. It's by Critical Hit. Uh, it was a blast. That's it, funny but- because Critical Hit... I've never played anything ASL like Critical Hit that I didn't like. They're just good. They got good stuff. You do like their stuff? Oh, yeah. That's good. And You know what? Knowing Critical Hit, there's probably an ASL scenario called Pebbles in the Street. Probably, yeah. Um, and this is Russian Front Summer 44. And the Russians are trying to uh, break through the like um, German armor line. And basically... Um, <laughs> There's some German infantry with some Panzerstrecks and one pack trying to hold out as long as possible until some kind of armor reinforcement arrives and you roll on a table and you either get some like Panzer uh, Panzer 4s or like stu- some other crappier tanks. I don't know. I don't know enough about tanks to tell you what else you could get. Um, and the guy I played, his pack knocked out like four of my Russian tanks. Uh, but it was just a lot of fun. It's a good scenario. The the Russian tanks move down the road and either just try to exit or, or kill as many Germans as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like his Panther fours just uh, Panther fours just got I destroyed him like no problem. It's all his pack did all the heavy lifting. Uh, it was just a fun scenario. I like it. Pebble, Pebbles lost? in the stream. I lost. You I did his not. Panzers and you lost. I'm telling you, his pack knocked out <laughs> um, knocked out four tanks and then either. 
one of his panzers or the pack immobilized one of my tanks and then i ran like then i was just mopping up and didn't have enough time to exit everyone so yeah uh actually i played with uh, anthony kenner he's got a youtube channel uh mad tony oh yeah and uh so go go check out his stuff and we, we just had a lot of fun it was a good scenario yeah, the only thing I've really been playing was OCS Korea. I actually set it up on the table just because I wanted the, uh, you know, tactile, wanted to feel the counters and everything and see what it looked like rather than on Vassal. Um, and I, I played I played about the first several turns of the, the, the invasion scenario. So Nice. Um, man, it's just so much fun. I mean, it's it's got <laughs> some really cool rules. I love, you know, you've got basically, as the allies, you have unlimited supply in that game in Japan but you have to get it to Korea. So instead of like worrying about how much supply you're going to get, you worry about how you're going to get it from Japan to Korea. You know, there's just, there's not much for the allies on the board at the beginning. North Korea is going to run, you know, all the way down to the South of the peninsula before you can build back up. It's, it's just a really fun game. No, I think it's been like two years since I played OCS. And that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I've been getting more and more into it lately. I would love to, uh, yeah, I need to get one of the local guys to come over and see if he wants to have a weekly game going where he can keep it set up on the table. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the trick. We should play some OCS. Oh, I'd like yeah, to, definitely. I've, I've, I've forgotten a lot about it. I I should get back to it. It's such a good system. Yeah. Right now I have ASL spread all over my table, though, because I'm reorganizing my counters. I'm actually going to I'm gonna get everything uh, clipped, which I had everything, not everything, but mostly punched but not clipped. And I'm also, I'm going to pull the starter stuff, starter set stuff out, and sort that separately from everything else. So it's just kind of spread all over right now. But it's pretty cool. The Texas ASL website actually has like a list of everything that's in all the starter mm-hmm. kits. So I can go through and oh, I can good. say, I need to pull all this out there. That's my starter kit. What are you pulling the starter kit stuff out for? Um, just because um, I'm going to teach my daughter to play ASL. And to be honest, I haven't decided for sure if I want to teach her starter kit or full. Um, starter kit's obviously much easier, and I think I might start her with that, but then quickly go to full because she loves the idea of hidden counters, and, and starter kit has no concealment or hip. So right. I might just teach her the basics in starter kit and then quickly go over to probably just scenario one, which has a bunch of uh, concealed guys. That one where you got to run all the Russians past all the Finns. It's good, good, or vice versa. I can't remember. It's a good scenario, though. Yeah, I mean, you could always do. I like starter kit, but you could always do full and pull. You know some yeah. of the stuff back. Not yeah, that would work sniper too. Sniper rolls. I mean, yeah. Every time I play starter kit, I miss snipers and concealment. Yeah. those are like the two <laughs> big things that I miss. Sure. Right, because like, how often do you um, split your machine gun fire? Or yeah, worry about, exactly. Like fire I, I, I've literally like never done that. <laughs> <laughs> Spray fire. And I can tell you, like, even fire lanes and stuff, like, I want to I have a hard enough time hitting one thing. I'm not going to hit two things that have firepower. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, I'll be curious to hear how that goes. I think you could go either way, though. I think you could do any... I mean, I think the, the, the one thing you'd probably run into, and you would know better than I do, is just balancing stuff. Yeah. You know, it, you know, is a scenario, but who really cares if you're teaching your daughter whether right. it's balanced or not? So, I think kind of my goal with her is... So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with Starter Kit, retaking Veerville, just to teach her the sequence of play, and she'll mm-hmm. enjoy that. And then I think we'll hop into ASL one. 
And then I think we'll probably just play every scenario and eat, play each side, you know, nice. so she can see how it works. Um, you know, like I said, she she loves the idea of hidden stuff, which is why she really wanted to play. And we still need to play some more of uh, Silver Bayonet. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll we'll play that and see how that goes. Eventually, we'll get up to uh, what's it, Mila eighteen? Have you ever played that one? No. Oh, it's so much fun. The one side starts with everything hip. Oh shit! It starts with nothing on the board, and the other side has to like go to every single building and clear the building. It's terrible. It's it's like. It's it's like playing Call of Cthulhu or a horror game in ASL because everything you do, you're like, oh, oh shit, I'm about to get ambushed. <laughs> I have to look into that one. Oh, that it's so much fun. It's one of my favorites. The the teaching scenario, unofficial teaching scenario they use for the Kansas City ASL one is the one in the caves, which has hip, or not hip. It has concealment. I'm sorry. Caves is it PTO? No, um, it's like in a, a rock quarry. I don't it think I know is that one. bonkers because the visibility is like one hex. And yeah. so like <laughs> you have to face plant a lot of counters because there's so many dummy counters and so many hidden counters. Oh, I love it. It actually yeah. would probably be a good one if she's into the hidden stuff like that. I'll have to Just send it to you. Out. I wish I remember. It's in my play log on scenario ASL archive, but I'd have to log in and, and find it. It's like the unofficial teaching scenario for the Kansas City group. It's so much fun. Yeah. Nice. All right. Uh, so before we get to our feature game, which is Sekigahara, we've got a game to play. The War Game Game. Oh, yeah. The War Game Game Game. That's right. The War Game 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 Game. Uh, so I've got a list of 10 clues. Uh, Richard tries to get the most points possible. He gets the most points by guessing the game earlier. If he, uh, I don't actually know how the, the clues work. If I have 10 clues and you get it on the 10th clue... Before the 10th clue I get is read, one free you get guess 10, for points. 10 points. That's right. And then after one clue, then it's nine points. Yeah. Um, and the clues, uh, this time I try to be more mindful of making it easier as we get towards the end. So we'll see how it goes. So, right. uh, yeah, go ahead and make your free guess. Uh, Stalingrad 42. You know what? That's so funny. I almost picked <laughs> Stalingrad 42. I, I swear to you. I was like, man, I haven't done a Zokban yet. And I was like, I'll do US Civil War, you know? Cause, but then I was like, nah, nah, that's too easy. But I should do a Simonich game. Uh, no. I swear I almost picked Stalingrad 42. That would be awesome. Uh, this was published much earlier. So, first clue, this game was published in 1998 by GMT Games. Oh, 98 by GMT Games. Let's go uh, something from Great Battles of History. We'll go like Pax Romana. Good guess, but no. The game was designed by Mark Miklos and features art by Roger McGowan and Joe Yost. Miklos, he does the uh, Battles of the American Revolution. So let's just randomly grab one and we'll go Germantown. No. This game depicts a campaign that pitted John Burgoyne against Horatio Gates, but really more so Benedict Arnold. All right. Well, I know I've got it zeroed in, but I don't know my American Revolution battles very well. So, um, let's see. If it's not Germantown, I'm just going to have to guess all the GBA, whatever, GBAR, is that what they're called? I'm stalling. Um... Man, I'm drawing a blank now. What's in the... I know the Tri-Pack used to be individually released. What's in the Tri-Pack? Germantown, um, Brandywine. 
We'll go Brandywine. Nope. nope. Notable battles include Freeman's Farm and Bemis Heights. Hmm. B E M I S Heights. Yeah. Now I'm just gonna get stuck. <laughs> I could assume that you made another mistake and say like Freeman's Farm, but that's not one of the games. Um, that's a war game, but not this war. Brandywine, game. yeah, yeah. That's I think a what's that a Worthington game or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brandywine. There's one that's called like Rhode Island or something like that. The Battle of Rhode Island. Battle, yeah. Is that it? No, no. But right. that's the newest one, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, well, a lot of these clues will not be very helpful to you, but, uh, <laughs> the time period covered is fall 1777. Uh, yeah, because the Freeman's Farm game is called Freeman's Farm 77. Uh, <laughs> Trenton. No. No. Uh, this probably should have been earlier. This game is a away. part of a larger series portraying specific American <laughs> Revolutionary War battles. Yeah, I got that one with me close. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, wow, Savannah. See, hold on. I, uh, good guess, but no. I, you know what? I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have gotten it with me close. I, I love the one game out of this series that I played, and I've never gotten back to it. Uh, but it's not Savannah. Okay. Um, this particular game was reprinted as part of the Battles of the American Revolution tripack. Yeah, and I think I got the other two. I can't remember which one. That's the third. <laughs> Germantown Brandywine and. God, dang it. I don't know. Germantown, Brandywine, and what's the third one? You have to guess. Three more clues. Yeah. The worst part is, like, tomorrow or the day after, Mitch is going to be like, oh, I got nine points. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Pass. Okay. Uh, clue number three is it isn't Brandywine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're just being evil now. <laughs> is the next one going to be it's not Germantown? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bridge, isn't it? Is it is there is there a bridge in the name? No. No. All right. Go ahead and knock me down. Okay. Number two. Clue number two is it isn't Guilford. Um, you were saying Germantown. It's Guilford Courthouse. Guilford. Oh, so okay. I was so. But so, it isn't Guilford. So. so Germantown, Guilford, and not the not third not Savannah, one. not Brandywine, not Germantown, or and not Savannah, and doesn't <laughs> have a bridge. Are the games you've guessed? Okay. Keep going. Give me my last oh, clue. Oh, okay. The last clue is it rhymes with uh, Maritoga. <laughs> Saratoga. Yeah. I knew it. It was easy. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. I thought I was in real trouble when you knew who Mark oh, Nicholas man. was. Because that wouldn't have been a clue for me. That's so funny. I got close to it so early and you it were, took forever oh. to, to, to finish it off. And when you when you said tripack, I thought maybe you had the tripack behind you or something like that. No, real easy. That's another one that I was actually thinking about picking up. Like I said, I haven't bought anything in the last month, but uh-huh. because I'm on this American Revolution kick, I was thinking about picking that one up, but I haven't actually played it. So. Oh, and then I was biting my tongue when you're talking about being on an American Revolution kick. Yeah. <laughs> I picked this game because I was like, oh, I really want to. I want to play some more of this, and I might do it this summer. Oh, so um, close. You were. Well, let's so re-record close. that and pretend that I got it on nine. Sure, of course. Um, I think a few months ago, I'm kicking myself for not getting it. I don't know how Battle of Rhode Island plays, but it was like a daily deal on cool stuff for. Oh, yeah. Penny, the only one yeah. I have is, um, I think it's Savannah, which is, I picked it up because it looked interesting. It's, um, sort of 
it's got it's like a three-sided siege type of game which i thought was interesting um but i haven't played any of those games i'm if i want to get more into american revolution i'm actually more likely to go further into battles from the age of reason because they've got monmouth and maybe brandywine i can't remember there's a there's a couple american revolution games in that series which i'm interested in then to add on to that, there's also that Washington's Crossing, which I know we've talked about. I have that about. and haven't played it yet. I gotta play it, yeah. yeah. Maybe that's what I should pull out. Uh, well, very good. Let us know how you did on the Discord. See if you get the high score. I'm keeping track, I promise. <laughs> right now, I'll, I'll make it easy for everyone. Mitchell Land is in the lead. <laughs> I gotta get away from GMT games, so I don't think it would help. I'm sure 1998 was a big enough clue for him. Uh, okay, should we do our featured game? Yeah, let's do all right, so speaking of GMT Games, we're talking about Sekigahara, published in 2011 by GMT Games, designed by Matt Calkins, and you know what? I totally forgot to look who the art was by. Shame on me. Probably Roger? It's like 50-50 chance. Oh, well, live Google. It is. Roger McGowan and Mark Mahaffey. I don't know how that was split up. Uh, this is a... Um, a block war game yeah. uh, no dice are used you have a hand of cards to carry out the battles it's a very quick playing game and it covers the uh, it's not really the battle so much as it is a uh, a campaign in 1600 that really marked the end of a period of turmoil in Japan leading to um, the Tokugawa dynasty which yeah. lasted for like 268 years or something like that. Historically, the campaign ended with the Battle of Sekigahara. As you play it, it probably won't. Right. Um, and it pits uh, Tokugawa Iyasu against Ishida Mitsunari, um, which, real quick, historically. And we already talked about this a little bit. Like, what you can go read that book. There's a very good historical summary in the rule book that's actually very well written that i would yeah it really is like if, in fact if when i played this game with my wife she enjoyed reading the summary which she normally doesn't it's very good like if you don't have access to the the book i talked about for free from a library or whatever don't spend the money on that just read the summary out of the back of the book you'll you'll be set trust me um it essentially um after oh my gosh and now i'm gonna blank on names uh, so after Nobunaga, it was not Tokugawa. It was, oh my gosh, the ruler of Japan basically had a five-year-old heir and brought everyone together and everyone took a vow that they'll keep peace until um, the heir becomes of age, they'll recognize the heir. Well, obviously that didn't happen. And so um, Japan's most powerful feudal lord, Tokugawa... And all these other daimyos, well, they started this campaign that eventually didn't recognize the airship. And the Ishida was the defender of the child heir. Did I get all that right? Yeah. Tokugawa okay. was the usurper. Right. Um, and so what, what's interesting is when you go read about the, the history is there's, I think there were more, but there were kind of two notable um daimyos that turned sides in the midst of the battle or refused to fight yeah um and that that comes across in the gameplay so 
Um, you have the Tokugawa forces trying to kill the heir or, you know, capture enough castles to, you know, strengthen their claim. And Ishida's just trying to survive. Um, but all through the gameplay, you have this, like, you're playing cards and sides might switch sides and, and all this other stuff. Um, that's kind of the broad overview of, of the history, I guess. Anything else? I'm not an I'm not an expert, or have I? I started reading that Musashi book, and it's it's very good. But this is an area of history that I do not know much about at all. Yeah, watch the Netflix documentary. Like I said, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean that's the, that's the basics of the history. That gate came down to one final battle at Sekigahara, which interestingly on the map in the game is actually not a place where you can even fight a battle. It's sort of in between some spots. Um, and then, like you said, there was, uh, there was one particular, um, tribe is not the right word, but one group that switched sides in the middle of the battle and sort of changed the course of history. So, and that is a game mechanic as well. Yep. Um, and this is, you're not paying, you're not fighting one battle. This is all drawn out across, um, basically there's a couple like, uh, I don't rural areas like there's no major highway you're very limited in your your movement um the game scale is seven or you play over seven weeks and so by like default you can only move one hex now if you're you're with a leader or you start in a castle or you discard a card or you're on a highway you can move more Um, but you're maneuvering your armies uh which are represented by blocks um around around this area of japan trying to gauge each other um trying to you can automatically win if you kill the leaders capture castles capture resource hexes so i'm going to back up just a second there just in case anyone that's listening doesn't know what what a block game is because they're not super common there's there's some out there but they're not it's not like hex encounter um a block game is a game where all the pieces all the armies are actual little wooden blocks on the board um but the sort of you know the 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 cool thing about block games is that the the strength of your forces and different games do them different ways faces you. So your opponent can see that there's something there, but he doesn't know what it is. So there's a lot of fog and war involved. And in addition, in Sekigahara, there's a second element of the game, which mm-hmm. has to do with your hand. So you could have a huge stack of blocks that you're moving around the map and a, those blocks may or may not be that powerful. They can be anywhere from basically one to three strength with a couple blocks that are special that are even higher strength. But even if you have like a bunch of th- huge three blocks, a huge stack of them and you're moving around, if you don't have those cards in your hand, they're useless to you in a battle. So as you're playing the game, you're always, at least I'm always, looking at my opponent's stacks and thinking, holy crap, he's got this huge murder stack coming toward me, and it's very likely that my opponent is completely bluffing because none of those guys are actually willing to fight for him. Right. And that is... What you just described is what I think makes Sekigahara like a fantastic game. So when I played Sekigahara for the first time like five years ago, um, I didn't... That didn't register for me. Like I, I don't know if it was like how we learned the game. Like we stickered and read the rules as we were playing. It was, it was a bad combination. I had a good enough time, but I was like, I don't know if I like the cards. But, but here the cards, what they're trying to represent is that's the loyalty. 
if mm-hmm. you have, like you said, a death stack and you don't have a card to, to motivate them into battle, they're not going into battle. And if their loyalty gets tested, you better have more of those cards because the only way they stay on your side is if you have a card that matches that yeah. particular clan. Yeah, there are actual loyalty challenge cards that you can play against your opponent. So say he plays a block out there and he says these guys are going to fight the battle and you can play a loyalty challenge card if you have it in your hand. And if he doesn't have another card that matches them, then they're actually going to fight for you instead. Which is nice. So- it is. It, yeah, they come on your side. You get yep. their strength, all their benefits, all that stuff. And so it. what that translates to is you have all these stacks and you want to do a million different things with them, but you're, you're not only limited in um, the amount of activations you get. Unless you're willing to sacrifice cards, you're right. very limited. So you get three activations, but it's going to cost you a card. Yeah, and sacrificing cards card. means yes. you don't have the the motivation to make those guys fight for you. Right. And you can discard more cards and do your whole force, everything on the map. You know, each you can activate each location. They can move in different ways. And, and the mechanics are, are very simple. The rules, the actual rules are like eight pages in the rule book. And then the rest is historical information. It's a very light game. But this, this management of how do you stack your blocks to make an effective fighting force as well as how do you manage your hand? What I found is like, okay, I really want to manage my hand to set up an offensive with this particular, uh, this clan, but maybe you don't have the cards for it. Or, well, now I really need the cards over by, you, you know, this force while yeah. you're matching, marching a huge death stack towards them. And it's like, oh, I need this card on defense. It's it's such a good little light management game of too yeah. little um, resources to do what yeah. you want to do is what I'm trying to say. But the nice thing also is, like, the first time you play the game, you will probably feel like, well, I just didn't get the good cards. It's just a game of luck. You just have to be lucky and have the cards in the blocks at the same time. There is an element of that, but you will also find out quickly that it's your job as a player to cycle your hand through and there are ways to do that you may need to force a battle someplace that you're willing to lose that battle in order to get different cards into your hand which i think is interesting too yeah or you can even spend part of a week you know brand new cards yeah and that's and another thing i really like about this game when i was playing with caleb I, i told him um when you lose a battle so you refresh your hand you get a new card for every card you played but you also get a card for every block that you lost. So if you get blown out in a battle and you lose three blocks, that's three more cards you're getting, or maybe it's one card for every two blocks. I don't remember exactly what it is. But if you get blown out, there's a little bit of a catch-up mechanic because that's more the cards are, are supposed to represent legitimacy. Like Yeah. I think it's one for two unless it's a siege. That's the the benefit of going Mm. into your castle and taking a siege is you get one for one. That may be it. Yeah, and so you're running around the map. You're trying to more castles you have, the more cards you draw, the more resource points you have. These are the victory points. If you don't kill a leader, it's castles and resource hexes. Resource hexes get you more blocks during the reinforcements phase. But if you want to bring on more reinforcements, that's less active. That's an activation you're not using to move your army. Um, 
and if you you can't just bring on reinforcements wherever if you want to bring in everyone from the same claim they have to go to a specific location if you want to bring on one guy they can go to like five different locations on the map um yeah. yeah there's a couple automatic victory conditions if you kill the usurper or if you kill the heir the game's automatically over but or Ashida heir or Ashida yeah yeah but most games that i've seen come down to points at the end yeah, I was playing, we were playing, actually we were just, I've been playing on, uh, worth noting, the Vassal module is fantastic, the board game itself looks amazing, the the blocks, the map, it's very small footprint, and the yukata.de are all perfect ways to play this game. Yeah. And I've done all three of them. Um, oh, we were playing the other night, and like, I thought I caught Tokugawa, and I threw everything I can, but he had slipped away, because like... <laughs> Most of the setup is specific locations. You know where Tokugawa starts on the map. Sure. But then there's also, you pull random blocks at all these different locations. So your force composition is going to be a little bit different. And I almost, I think I know where he's at now. But I'd yeah. won a battle and, and thought he was in the... And there's the also strategy, especially with the leaders, about who you deploy and when. Because it's it's not impossible, but it's harder to... Well, a lot harder to kill a guy that hasn't been deployed. Yes. So if you've got particular Tokugawa, you know, you want to play him first because he's essentially a free play and free actions, but that also means he's vulnerable if the other guy is going to be able to do a bunch of damage against you. Right, because you take losses from deployed box first. Oh, and you have to play leaders first. So you can't, like, wait to see how it's going. Yeah. Before you commit something from a daimyo, you have to play the leader first before you start committing cards. It's I don't good. think you have to. I think it's just it's free if you do. So it's basically an extra. Oh, it's going to amount to a couple hits. You mean like you could use a card to use the leader? Is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I think you could just deploy an army without a leader if you wanted to. But oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Sure. Yeah, if you're going to use the leader, they have to be the first thing from right. The yes, that's correct. Oh, it's good. Um, you go until like. Um, you you basically each block has a symbol and that kind of real simply is the combat strength and you have initiative until you have passed the other person and the defender gets the tie so if i play enough for four strength then rich you have to come back with four strength before the initiative comes back to me or you can pass and end it but once you pass i can continue to commit forces to still inflict losses on you You can't just like avoid a battle and like "Eh, i'm not gonna fight this but, and that's another thing, like the first couple times I played, it's a little, and not hard to wrap my mind around, but hard to remember in the middle of strategy, doing a hit by itself doesn't do you any good at all. You got to do seven points before yes. you really do a hit. So yes. if, you, if you can't bring seven, it's, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say it's not worth it to fight because there are reasons to still fight anyway, like cycling cards. Uh, but for the most part... Um, you, you want to make sure you can get to at least seven points, and then every multiple of seven kills another block. Yes, and the loser always takes at least one. So yeah. either make sure you get to seven and winning would be... Uh... Yeah. And that's it. I mean, that's the game. Yeah, that's it. I mean, if, if both players know the rules, the game plays in about an hour, hour and a half tops. Ooh, yeah, you better, like, you're probably cooking with gas. We did not finish last week, and we played for the better part of two hours. Face-to-face? Uh, Vassal. Oh, okay. Well, still, you're playing live. But, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, 
I think, I think probably hour depends. and a half is my experience. Yeah, I think they if say three, the three hours. So anywhere, I'd say probably in that range, an hour and a half to three hours. I think the the on the box time here is is fairly accurate. Like I don't think you're going to go above three hours. No. You're probably right. Like if you're both cooking with gas, you could because it's only seven weeks, which is fourteen turns. Yep. Uh, that's the game. Um, we've already kind of talked about recommended reading. Um, bad stuff. I guess like you could be hurt by the draw, like you said, but like you said, there's ways to mitigate that and manage that. I mean, that's kind of true in like combat command, like just compared to like to combat commander. I know people complain about that. Some people don't like it because the cards can, you know, um, limit what you can do, but there's ways to mitigate that. And I think that's true here too. Yeah. I Uh, mean, there, there have been games that I have felt personally frustrated because the cards just weren't lining up for me, you know, early in the game, I've got everything lined up and ready to go, but I don't have any battles to fight. And then later when I need the cards, I've spent the cards, but I mean, that's probably on me as much as anything. And every game has a little bit of luck involved in it. So I'm not worried about that. Except for chess, I guess. Right. Or go. I don't have any, like, there's nothing. I don't have any complaints about this game. I don't think it's, like, jumping the gun here a little bit. I don't think it's as wonderful a game as, like, U.S. Civil War. But th- that doesn't mean there's anything bad with it. Exactly, so like, yeah, yeah. And I, I've i introduced this game. I mean, like I said, I've played with my wife. I've played with other friends that are varying levels of being interested in war games from, you know, guys that are, you know, on the fence or guys that are Euros. And, I mean, it's, it's almost universally liked. I mean, everybody that I play with, except for one person that I've ever played with, has said, yeah, this is a good game and I enjoyed it. Uh, Lawrence hates it for whatever reason. <laughs> really? Huh. Yeah. yeah. I played with him when we all got together last winter and he's like, yeah, I don't like this game. So yeah, just checking on uh, BGG. He's got it rated as a five. Everyone else that I uh, follow the <laughs> reviews on are seven or higher. I mean, I, I guess like the one complaint, which is like the modern thing that I don't really care about is you couldn't solo this. There's no solo play. No, no, there's no way to do it. I right, mean, I right. guess maybe somebody could invent a bot for it. Maybe that new GMT solo system will work with this since yeah, it is sort of a card blocks, game, though. but I wouldn't even try. Yeah, I, I think it would take so much out of it. It's just easy to play, simple rules, tons of replayability just with like how the cards come out, how the blocks come out, how your reinforcements come. Like Those are all random things. Um and it's just good, like, there's bluffing elements, and there's strategic decisions to be made. It is a very sound and solid game. Yeah. Uh, I love big, huge, bloody battles where each side loses, like, four blocks. It's yes. awesome. Yeah. And then you cycle all your cards, and everybody gets new cards, and you, you know, you do it all over again somewhere else on the map. I'm just thinking, like, timing those loyalty cards. It's like, oh, yeah. all right, when is he done? Well, when see, that's the thing, too. I love that because loyalty cards, you only get three in your whole deck. So it's a commodity. I mean, you get one in your hand, you have to hold it, you have to play it at the right moment. But also, you have a hand limit. If you're holding three loyalty cards, you don't have crap else to, to play with, most likely. Because right, I've had that it... happen where I'm like holding my loyalty cards for the right moment. Next thing I know, I don't have any cards to actually play to fight the battles. And you lose half your cards, you draw back up, but you discard yeah. half your hand at the end of each week. Yep. 
and they're also they're worth seven for initiative. So like initiative is determined by uh, discarding a card, not just revealing it. Right. Um, and so like they're also like if you really super want initiative before your opponent does anything, they're good for that. But you're giving up a very powerful card. That's oh, good. It's yeah. good stuff. And it's so weird. When I first played this, I did not like it. Didn't I wonder you? if I've, hmm. I've wonder if I've changed my. Um, how many block games have you played, Matt? Um, actually, surprisingly, not that many. Yeah, I haven't um, either. I I played the one I talked about last month. Uh, was it Trenton, seventeen seventy six? And I played. I've never the played New York like Hammer of the of Scots or Caesar or any of the like the big famous block games. Yeah, and someone sent me a copy of Hammer of the Scots, like a player's copy that I I need to play. Um, and I have several. Like I have a uh, fast action battle. Yeah. And I played I played that. I played the New York game and um oh what's the other one? The three player GMT game. Maria Triumph and Tra- no, 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 Triumph and Tragedy. Not a game. Uh, I think it's Triumph and Tragedy. Oh, is that one blocks? I haven't Yeah, but I can't remember one. if it's yeah, double sided, right, but some of the some block games are like double sided. But I actually own several. Right. Like I just haven't Commands and them. Colors technically it uses blocks, but yeah, I wouldn't right. call that a block right. game because no, 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 it's not no. it's not hidden. No, no, no. Yeah, usually it's just you use blocks to get that fog of war. Yeah. I, and I have no knock against them. I actually like what I've played. I just, for some reason, I just haven't gotten to the table. I own several. Yeah. So and like when Hammer I originally... of the Scots and I think, it's, I think it's just called Caesar are like the two sort of prototypical block games. So I was just curious. Right. All of those. Um, who makes those? Oh, it's an old company. Is it? Is, yeah, is but it three games are one of them. Let's let's just see. Let's not let's not pretend we don't have the internet. <laughs> Hammer of the Scots is Columbia. Columbia. Columbia block games. Those right. are like the yeah. And I know I've talked about it, but like fast action battles, one I've got to get back to because I really liked it. Um, I think they've got a new one coming out, don't they? Columbia. Uh, fast action battles. Oh, they might. Yeah, Columbia's in this, like, they're reprinting those block war games, but they're super expensive, like, like 80 bucks, right? For the reprints? I don't know. It, 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 it could be. I mean, blocks aren't cheap, I think. Uh, well, lumber prices, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think they have Steam, I think they have Steam versions of all these block games, the Columbia I think block so, games yeah. All right, so on Sekigahara, I, I'm checking here. I played, last time I played before this, like, re- recent streak of playing online was March of 2017, so four years ago. And at the time, I gave it a 7, which isn't... Well, 7 out of 10 is a good game, willing to play, yada, yada, yada. I, I tend to follow BoardGameGeek for what it's worth. Um, I'm definitely higher on it now that I've played it more. And so let's rank this thing. We have a list. It's a list of every war game ever made. Um, but we've only covered like 38 of them so far. How many more do we have to go, Rich? Uh, 38 well okay. 39 after today oh seems to constantly grow yeah it's it's either we do 39 we do that number more or until we have each played every game that we own oh well that's <laughs> that's never gonna happen um we have a list and we're merely the uh the sculptors the molders the the shapers of the list we just reveal where this game belongs on this completely objective not our own personal taste list ranking of every war game ever all right so i think the um i'm looking like at lighter war games in the sense of like or games that like share popularity of this and i'm thinking above 
Um, I've not played it enough, but I'm thinking above Imperial Struggle, definitely above Twilight Struggle. Uh, yeah, I think we're I think we're zooming in on the same area. Yeah. What? Well, so like you've played more Imperial Struggle, and by that I mean like you've actually played a complete game, and I haven't. Mm-hmm. From that, I th- I think above, but I could be talked down. I'm not sure. Hmm. Imperial Struggle has a has a charm to it. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, but this has a charm. I mean, I, they are very yeah, similar one, games. Yeah. Oh, I know. Like, yeah, great absolutely. components, great maps, great art, uniqueness. I mean, Imperial Struggle is, and this isn't a what's a war game? It's not a war game. It's very Euro mechanics, right. In Imperial Struggle, it's action selection. Yeah, yeah. This one is definitely more direct conflict. I mean, you're you're going right. after the other guy's forces and trying to eliminate them. Sure. Well, okay. Let's let's just look at something above that we've both played. Something like Thunder and those arcs are battle him. Much more traditional war games. Right. Do do you think this is better than those? So do I think this is better than those from my perspective i would say no but a sekigahara from the people i've introduced it to would probably i'm not gonna say probably i mean people like my wife and other local gaming people would 10 out of 10 times choose sekigahara over thunder in the ozarks Mm. but they are not hardcore war gamers so there's a big difference there. If we're looking at a war game list, I'm going to say it's not as good as Thunder in the Ozarks or Battle Him. And I can I can eat that. I'm fine with that. That's something I can swallow. Whereas, uh, and, and the reason I'm going with this, because if we're going to bracket it with Imperial Struggle, Imperial Struggle is another one of those sort of war game-ish games that has maybe a broader appeal. Right. Um, but it's not a hardcore war game. So the question is, and, I, and I'm, I'm really trying to put this in. So I've got a couple of people in mind, a local friend of mine and my wife. Would they rather play Sekigahara or Imperial Struggle? And I think the answer to that for them is Imperial Struggle. I think the answer for me is Sekigahara. See where mm. I'm going with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that doesn't really help us. <laughs> so I'm just talking. <laughs> balances out like that balances out, right? Yes, but um, this is not the greatest games list ever. This is the greatest war games ever list. That's right. That is so true. for that reason, I would Fair put enough. it above Imperial Struggle. I've, you would I've put talked it above? myself around to that point. Okay, because right below Imperial Struggle is last 100 yards, which yeah. may be too low, but we'll address that after uh, Historic Fest. What, and remind me, have you played Normandy 44? I know I've asked. No, I have not. Okay, so right below Imperial Struggle is last 100 yards. Any, any, or, okay, a couple down. So I would put Sekigahara above Imperial Struggle then. Okay. In fact, I mean, because right above Imperial Struggle is the two Axis Empires game, I think it. I think that might be a good spot for it. I think right there at number 19 might be good. Okay, hold on. I just want to use one more measuring stick below, All which right. is Pavlov's House, a few spots down. Totally different, solitaire-only game. Um, right. Pavlov's House is fun, but I'd definitely put Sekigahara okay. That's That's it. what I was thinking, too. I was yeah. just making sure. Just wanted to yeah. test it. Because um, there probably are some inconsistencies in this, but I'm not going to worry about them. Okay, so Axis Empires, then, is is the next question. Um, 
So then it, it to me that comes down to like like an elegant, small, quick game that doesn't have many design flaws compared to like a monster behemoth that's going to take you forever to play but has like wow factor in really cool moments. And like not to say there's not cool moments in Sekigahara, but there are like epic moments in, yeah. in Axis Empires, sure. right? That's really hard. I wonder why Blitzkrieg Legend is so high on the list. I think that needs to be adjusted. Because uh, then above those is Onward Christian Soldiers, which is in an epic game, but is very flawed in like a rules technical sense. Like yeah. there's so many inconsistencies and problems wrong with it. That's not true in Sekigahara. From like a rules perspective, it's better Sekigahara than Sekigahara is all pretty four. tight as far as at rules, playability. Like you said, it's, it's very elegant. Uh, but you haven't you haven't played any of those games between so Battle Hymn is fourteen. We're, we're, just for the listeners at home, Battle Hymn is fourteen, Imperial Struggle is nineteen. But between there is a big streak of games that I don't think Richard has played. Maybe Blitzkrieg. I have not, played? but Axis okay. Empires, I think Unconditional Surrender Europe, at least in my mind, is a good comparison to that. They've got a sa- they've got the same designer, a lot of similarities. So even though I haven't played Axis Empires, I sort of sub in Unconditional Surrender Europe in there. And you've played OCS. Now, I will say, oh, so yeah. far, Blitzkrieg Legend is one Haven't of played Blitzkrieg Legend, but yeah, lots of OCS. It's still OCS. So, are you still thinking below Axis Empires? Yeah, I kind of like this at 19. Okay. I can be talked into that. I think it's it's you're splitting hairs at that point. Like, all four of those games are going to feel more epic and grand. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be... A two-hour, lots of fun. And it'll be crazy, like, oh, Kat Takagawa killed him. Chopped his head off, just like on the Netflix documentary. <laughs> um, well, actually, in the book I was reading, like, those super the thing to, like, for bounties and stuff, which they talk about in the documentary and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm yeah. good with it. Number 19, Sekigahara. There we huh. go. I was thinking maybe higher than that, but now, you know, talking through it, it probably makes sense. I'll buy it. I'd maybe put it at 16, but we'll leave it here. Yeah, I need to play Ballistic Legend sometime. But, I mean, I, I honestly, I could, I've could, i got it. I could set it up on my table and solo it, but yeah. it's a big, big game. That's that's it really a, a game, game that I'm going to need to play to con sometime to really appreciate it. It's a big game with, like, no ramp-up time. It's yeah. That's it. Okay, well, that's... Uh, we have 39 games ranked. Uh, Sekigahara number 19. Uh, we have some listener questions. Shall we do those? Yeah, absolutely. All Love right. Listener questions. So we already got Bill's question. Bill is asking about Historic Fest. Ryan asks, who are your top three publishers right now? Uh, yeah. this, stemmed, this stemmed from some conversation about Compass Games. Oh, gosh. Uh, if you're on Twitter. They, they can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. Right. Right. And how long was that game in development? If, if you didn't see it on Twitter... Harold Buchanan, who designs games for primarily GMT games. I think he's done some magazine games elsewhere. And he has a podcast, Harold on Games, all that stuff. Got some misprinted counters that were, like, printed on crappy quality cardboard and didn't have the best experience with someone at Compass Games who liked to talk in caps. Yeah. Uh, But we've talked about it before. Like, Compass has done some not-so-great, questionable things from a design standpoint, charging everyone's business cards, all of that stuff. Um, and then and also games like cheap. That's their the current big thing. trend really pisses me off because OC and it doesn't piss me off. I'm, I don't really care that much. But Korea, right? The game that just came out that was on pre-order for years. Yeah, 
like since I started the podcast, it, I think it, I, if not, it was close to going on pre-order. Yeah, probably. Their new model is okay. We have a game coming out. Let's do a really quick Kickstarter to try to drive more interest mm-hmm. in this. And that's not the point of Kickstarter. And I'm not yeah. like Rich is another show with Adam, and I know that really drives Adam nuts. It doesn't drive me nuts, but it's like, come on, guys! Like you have no reason to kickstart Korea. Yeah, and I honestly, I mean. I honestly believe the reason they're kickstarting is because you're more likely to give them money thinking about, oh, they're redoing Balkowski's game. That'll be fun. But then once they see what has what they're actually publishing, no one's going to buy that crap. Right. Right. So there's all there's I don't want, I haven't seen the game. Printer issues, all that stuff. It's it's not a good look for them, as for especially for a game that was in development that long. Yeah. And I don't I don't know what the issues are. I shouldn't talk too early about it but it's not a good look so that being said who are your top three publishers right now asks ryan <laughs> yeah i mean the first two for me super easy gmt and mmp right um, and if i had to say which one is higher that would actually be a pretty tough call it might it might vary based on which game i'm currently playing um but those are those are one and one a for sure for th- the three um that's a little tougher. I was kind of thinking about it. I think decision games is probably my third at this point. Okay. Um, I thought about mine and I thought about like, okay, whose stuff do I regularly buy? Um, so I thought about, um, Holland spiel. I thought about them too. Um, I like them. I kind of like who they are and what they do, but I haven't bought a game from them in a while. Yes. And not all of their games are hits for me. Actually, I was going to play um, District Commander, and I read through the rules, and we ended up playing Shurko instead. Yeah. And I don't think District Commander is a bad game, but let me just say, I'm glad we played Shurko. Yeah. Um, and anyways, I mean, that's not a whole reflection on it. So, sure. like, Hollenspiel's up there. I bought a lot of stuff from Hollenspiel. I've got a whole Hollenspiel shelf now, and I love how they look, and I like a lot of the topics they cover. It's just sometimes the games don't click for me. But yeah. there are some games I really like from them. Um then I thought about um, like Dan Versen games, but those are pretty misforming too. Eventually, what I ended up settling on was uh, Revolution games. Yeah, good call. Yeah, I mean, just their little magazine war games are super good. Um, Legion is I thought about, but their games are just like so infrequent to what I buy from them. It, it's it's Revolution for me. Yeah. Uh, good question, Ryan and Bill. Oh, uh, our buddy Zach asks, if you were a hot dog and you were starving, <laughs> would you eat yourself? <laughs> I wish I could do the voice. Oh, boy. If I was a hot dog and I was starving, would I eat myself? I'm going to say no. I'd eat the bun. Oh, good. Yeah, good call. I mean, there's a <laughs> bun there. And then uh, Art asks, any good or what are some good Civil War movies? Yeah, a couple come to mind. Um, Glory is good. Yep. I enjoyed it. Uh, Gettysburg is good. Um, Gettysburg is good. It, it's Gods a good Generals movie. is literal trash. <laughs> yes. So just stop at Gettysburg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. Um, those are the two that kind of really jump out at me. There's another one. It's not exactly a Civil War movie, but have you seen Cold Harbor? I have not, and that's one that popped to mind. I yeah. don't, and I. So I, I don't even... It's more about a guy parents. coming back from the Civil War. It's <laughs> kind of like the odyssey of Civil War movies, but it is a good movie. Yeah. I remember my parents watching it. I don't I don't know anything about it, and I don't want to... So, really, the two that came to mind were uh, Glory and uh, Gettysburg. 
and I did a good rewatch of chunks of Gettysburg the other day. I watched Gettysburg when I was in middle school. I was just telling the story the other day. And we took my grandparents' van, which had a built-in VHS player, and my mom took us to the Lansing, Kansas Library, which at the time was, like, brand new. And it was not as nice as the Leavenworth Library. Um, and she's like, you can get tapes for the trip. Well, like, their tape section was, like, 30 tapes. Yeah. But one of them was Gettysburg. And I remember driving, and, like, my dad always drove on trips, always. But... On the tape release at Gettysburg, my mom drove like a good chunk. He watched most of Gettysburg with me, which was really cool. Nice. Yeah. I picked Gettysburg up. I had seen it a few times before, but just, I want to say like three or four years ago, I was at Goodwill and saw it for like five bucks at Goodwill. I'm like, I need to have this DVD. So I picked it up and I've seen it a few times since then. Nice. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched mine since then, uh, since middle school. But like I said, I watched some clips. Do not do not watch gods in general. It's (laughs) awful. Uh, I did one time um, watch. Dang it! There was a Civil War zombie movie. It was not good. (laughs) Like it sounded so cool on paper, and I watched it. I think I rented it on Amazon Prime or something like that. No good. Huh. Uh, and that's it. I like he asked, and I was like, "Well, actually, I don't really watch that many Civil War movies." In a lot of the documentaries I look for, like outside of Ken Burns, um, are really not good. Like uh, the Netflix has a Centinum documentary that is, it's not great. Yeah, so I, I mean it's not a movie, but that's the, sort of the beginning and the end of the conversation. If you want Ken Burns documentary, it's just amazing. I wish that was still on Netflix. Yeah. Uh oh, Lincoln, which not not a Civil War movie per se. Yeah, but, haven't I seen mean, it. Oh man, uh, what's his name is Daniel Day Lewis. Yes, thank you. Um, let's see. I'm I'm just um Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter comes up. <laughs> uh, there's a movie called Dog Jack, which appears to be a Jack Russell Terrell in a Union uh, okay. soldier's hat. There we go. Um, it's not a wishbone movie, is it? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Um. Wouldn't recommend it myself, but Dances with Wolves, which is problematic. Yeah, I guess in sort of Civil War. He's a Civil War vet in that, I guess, right. maybe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Tom Cruise's Last Samurai is some, for some reason listed. Oh, oh. That's the winner listed as a Civil War movie? The I guess winner Japanese Civil War. <laughs> is Wild Wild West, which features General <laughs> Bloodbath McGrath and his little drainage ear thing in the spider and President Ulysses Grant. There we and go. Salma Hayek's butt. There you go. Uh, let's Best see. Civil War movie featuring Salma Hayek's butt. Go. <laughs> Wild Wild West. Um, technically, Good, the Bad, and the Ugly features Confederate troops, right? One of those in the trilogy does. That would be the winner for me. Yeah. I'm out. Uh, all time. Fa- I'm going to go with, yeah, going back to the beginning, I think Glory. I'll, I'll go that with my all time favorite. Sure. I mean, man, it's been a long time. I may have watched Glory on the same trip I did. Uh, yeah, Gettysburg. I love I the mean, story of that guy too. The the guy that Matthew Broderick played. He um he was the 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 actual true story. I don't know if it was in that battle, but he because it's been forever since I've seen the movie. Uh, but he was actually he was killed in action, and you know the 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 Southerners just sort of basically threw him into a pile, kind of with all the black troops and everything. And the Union went to his family 
And they're like, you know, he's an officer. We want to go, you know, dig him up and give him a proper burial and everything. And his family is like, nope, he's buried with his men. That's where he wants to be. So I thought that was I, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. I had recently heard that story. I don't know if I, I don't know where I read that. But yeah, that is a a great story. If anyone is curious for the really bad zombie movie, which I cannot recommend <laughs> in good faith. It's called Exit Humanity. <laughs> so there you go. Um. Was the was the Hatfields and McCoys set during the Civil War? That's got no Bill idea. Paxton and Kevin Costner as a miniseries. No idea. I, uh, Those guys lived right between us, didn't they? Weren't they Ozarks? They were Kentuckys. Kentucky. Was, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, hmm. It was a. I liked it. Um. But I don't remember what time period is said there and so there you go that may be another one that's probably more information than anyone bargained for in a civil war movie of course the real answer is captain america civil war <laughs> yes there you go <laughs> uh nice. and i am right. team cap all the way yeah yeah me too i think um let's talk about other stuff yeah so uh one thing i want to talk about is i i read the red rising trilogy mm-hmm. and i talked like completely dug its claws and it was so good couldn't get enough of it really liked it and at start out i didn't like it at all but the i didn't read any of the books past the first three but i played the um stonemeyer games red rising game it's super light okay i really I've heard like of it. the game i did not realize it was it was based on a, a book yeah yeah what's oh and this i was gonna ask i was gonna make this a question actually um in the Somewhere in the rules or something, he talks about how Red Rising was his dream IP game. Him being um, J- Jamie um, Jamie Stegmaier, and uh-huh. he worked with a guy named Alexander Schmidt to to design the game. And I know, like Tom Vassell wasn't a huge fan of the game. I really like this. I was going to ask you, like, what what would your like dream IP game that hasn't already been done be? And you can think about it, huh. and I'll just give my thoughts real quick while you, while you chew on that. I like the game a lot. It's very simple. You play a card, and you pick up a card. When you play a card, it grants an action, and when you pick up a card, it grants one of four different actions. And, like, the cards play off each other. They all, like, score different ways based off what you have in your hand. It reminds me of a very less excru- um, light, less excruciating version of, uh, not Alhambra, um arboretum which is one of my favorite all-time games short cute little or not cute uh small little card game with excruciating decisions reminds me of that like a lighter version huh. you want to keep all the cards you can but you you have to like cycle through your cards to get as many points as possible really good really light i'm not sure why tom vassal don't like it i think it's also pretty cheap in terms of a board game like 40 bucks or something which in terms of board game prices these days is pretty low yeah so, so do you have like a, yeah, a I, don't, I wouldn't say it. it's not like a dream one, but I mean, a couple that come to mind that I think would be really good. And one, maybe there is already one, but um, my wife and I recently just finished watching the expanse and I could see a ton of good games coming from oh, that. There's an expanse game. Is there? I, it didn't yeah, surprise me, but I haven't played it. So coin esque. Okay. Say. And then the other one I would say, um, this is more like maybe an RPG setting, but I would love to see something like in the time of like Gilgamesh and like ancient okay. heroes and stuff like that. I think that would be cool. Nice. Um, I had one pop into my head as you were talking and it completely, so I didn't give this question any thought. I meant to write it down. 
Um, there's a there's a trilogy and actually a new book in it um, called The Raven Cycle that actually I think would be better in that um, RPG setting as well. I don't know what you would do with a uh, board game version of it. It's going to drive me nuts that I can't think of. Like, had the thought in my mind and it's completely gone. Yeah. Any, any, lo- any sci-fi or fantasy book that has a really unique magic system... I love stuff like that. So the King Killer trilogy sure. doesn't have a third book yet. The uh, Brandon Sanderson's Mistborn, and I think there there are Mistborn games that I've never played. But unique magic systems, I love. Rich, I think when, how long have you been, you've been doing this over a year and a half, right? With you, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, I don't think ever in the time that we've done this, I've had to pause to take a bathroom break, <laughs> and I'm about to pee my pants. And I'm going to, while I do that, not pee my pants. While I think on the game, or while I go to the bathroom, I'm going to think on my game. You're going to give so me I'll a right question back, to I'll, think I'll, about, Walla. Yeah. Uh, you can come up with your own question. I'll, be right. Right. I'll, edit, I'll edit the silence out. Hold on. Okay. Back. Yes. I know what I thought of, and it's kind of cheating on my own question. So, uh, Raven Cycle for the actual answer. But, like, I want Discworld to come back in board game for it. And I know there was that Nancy. I really need to read that. My wife is the biggest well not the biggest fan she loves it and she keeps telling me about it so i need to read that there was a discworld ink more pork board game yeah of course she cannot get any more and they redid it as nanti narking uh same game just a different theme but losing the theme just like no you need the discworld theme and i don't know if there's any other good discworld games out there and i don't think there are because i don't think there's many like, I don't know how the rights work with that stuff. So Sure. Um, okay. Let's see what else we're going to talk about. Um, oh, you've been playing some PAX Premier? Yeah, I've been playing that a lot lately. I picked it up uh, a couple of months ago from one of our listeners. I can't remember who offhand right now. But, um, yeah, so uh, when craziness at work ended i'm like yeah we're gonna we're gonna play this and introduce to the family and they're all really loving it now so i played a couple of the pax games i played perferiana and premiere and i like both of them there's several others in the series and i'd like to play some more of them they just you know it's just it's a little tableau builder game but it's interesting it doesn't take too long to play um i like it quite a bit nice uh i think we mentioned some uh some rpgs early in the show and i talked about how like Rules light. I'm really digging it, but I've. Um, have you heard of Degenesis? No. Uh, okay. So is Degenesis, that the one you we're talking about on Twitter today? Yes. So they. It started as like I think they're an art house, and like it started as like a side project. The two two of these guys like making an RPG, and it's evolved over time. In the most recent edition with Degenesis Rebirth, and it's like a post-apocalyptic world with this. Uh, and it mainly takes place, or it takes place in Europe and Africa. And is it a all these system and a setting, or just a setting? A system and a setting. Okay. And it is super deep, and the rules are—it's a very rules uh, crunchy game, like the exact opposite of rules light. But like the world and the lore and the work these guys are putting into it is bonkers. Like I. It's so developed, and there's so many like meta plots going on, and I I'm very excited to run it. I'm gonna run it in August as one of the one shots, but it's like, it's a little bit daunting because I think if you get to get the most out of it, you really have to have your players buy in. Sure, yeah, rules heavy one shot is tough call sometimes. 
Right. Um, so my my goal is to run the one shot, introduce them to some of the different cults, and introduce them into the world and like just see it, and then and then go like really start diving in because there's so much stuff. Here's a crazy thing: it's free to play. Oh, nice. So is it on Drive Through RPG or what? No, you go to their website and you you set up an account. You don't have to opt into emails, and every single rule book and supplement can be downloaded. So the so two main rule- business model. <laughs> well, so their business model is you can support them. Like they just had a new book come out and then the next book will come out once they reach their like next support level. Okay. Uh, the other thing, the books are the best production quality in any game I have ever seen board game, war game, RPG, doesn't matter so they sell these like super deluxe editions of their books and art prints and vodka actually and like it's expensive and that's very prohibitive to players but like i think that keeps them going so like yeah you can get it for free if you really dig it then you can get this amazing edition that will just blow your mind or you know if you're playing the system you can kick in 10 bucks and you know just as a tip for like hey make Thanks for doing this, or fifty, or but it's not or five it's not Kickstarter or anything like that. They're just just selling the upgraded version, basically. Yeah, and it's not up. You're not missing anything. It's just the and you see it in the PDFs, like the artwork yeah, and the layouts. Version, we'll call it that. Yeah, right. Like the print copies of these books are just unlike anything I've seen, and yeah. I I'm being a little hyperbolic. Like it's they're very nice. Like they're better than. It's it's just good stuff, and the setting is so cool. It's a really well done and seemingly thought out adult, not in a bad way, but y- you know it's a problematic. It's not a happy post apocalyptic world. It's very dark <laughs> and serious, and uh, I think those themes are addressed. It's really cool, and so I'm I'm gonna finally get a chance to play it. I think I bought my first book like two years ago. Uh, off of eBay when I thought they were like done and then they kind of like cycled back up and have this new business model of alright here's the next 10 books we're going to release and here's what they're covering and like here's our goals before we release them to you Nice. and the, and from time to time they're doing these massive big books like the, the base rules are like 800 pages of, of lore and rules <laughs> now a lot of that is taken up by some of the best RPG art I've ever seen yeah. So, 800 stuff. pages. That's going to be a lot of money to print, though. So, that makes sense that it's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes from Germany. And when I bought the, I bought a newer edition. And um, I was like, oh, cool. Whenever this shows up, it shows up. It's like six day shipping from Germany. Yeah. And, uh, and it was free shipping, which was not like, I mean, you have to put in a, a sizable order to get to free shipping. And it used to be lower. Yeah. I actually I bought it before they bumped it up, but it's like six days from Germany is nuts. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. So, huh? Uh, I need to run something. Now that things are calming down again, I need to I need to run something. I don't know what, but something. Yeah, probably call it Cthulhu. I need to. I I want our campaign to go back. I I'm having some things wind down, so I'm cycling other things back up. Uh, Castle Amber, which is. Well, it's seven people, so enough said about that. Uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fine. It's just uh, I'm I'm a little bit more excited about the other things. I'm really interested in getting back to Call of Cthulhu because 
just you want to talk about like deep lore like there's just so much cool cthulhu stuff to explore sure I've only run one little adventure, so there's lots and lots I want to do still. Now we're getting on a train that can not, oh, yeah, not go poorly. Oh, it's gonna go it's gonna go so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm still playing Warhammer Fantasy RPG, still liking it. Um we actually we played last night and we actually had a whole session with no combat at all, so that was kinda of fun. A little change of pace for us. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um and then Wandering Stars. I know you played you played with Jason running it, right? Have you actually run it? I have not. No. I I've just played in yeah. uh I've got the book see, here, I've looked through it his... and looks like it's you can even kinda just go as you know, play as you go, but uh not this weekend, but hopefully next weekend I'm gonna try to get my family into a game. Yeah, and I think you could just run it as whatever. I know it comes with some adventures. Uh huh. Um which I think those are the same adventures that I played. I haven't looked at the adventures yet. Um, and they're fun. Um, bonkers. The one space <laughs> station was just out of this world. I don't know if that one's included. That may, Anyways. Uh, it's fun stuff. I don't think you would need to do much prep. Like I think you could just f- wing a lot of that. If, yeah. you, if you're into that kind of thing. Let's see. Uh, let's see. We've been talking about our bike a little bit. You... Uh, you went out and did some scouting on the Katy Trail, huh? Yeah, yeah. Mitch and I went out and we rode Saturday morning a little bit. And then I went out Sunday with my daughter and rode a little bit too. And I think Mitch and I are going back this Saturday as well. So they're going to try to make that a, a, a weekly thing to hit the Katy. It's, it's nice. a nice trail. That was, I like it. And that was your longest outdoor ride in a while, right? Yeah, I've been doing almost all Zwift rides. Uh, anything else I've done outdoors has been just kind of around the neighborhood with the daughter. Uh, um, but she's really getting into it now, too. So she was just thrilled when uh, we went out to the Katy Trail together. And I think she and I are going to start riding a lot together, too. Hopefully this fall, I think we're going to do an out and back to from St. Charles to Augusta. So that's about 40 miles. Um, go out there, camp the night, and then ride back the next day. That's We're shooting for that this fall. What I think, uh, I think after Historic Fest and once things cool down, and uh, not in the month of October because October is always super busy for me, I think we should meet up in Columbia and go and just go out and come back to Columbia and stop at one of the wineries near there because it's about two hours for each of us, right? Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah, good. We should do that. Maybe go to the game store, play some games, can make it work. Sounds like a good plan. Assuming they're... So I read this... Uh, I put this book on here, Born to Run by Christopher McDougall, which obviously isn't about running or biking, but as we've both been biking, I've been doing more running and using the biking as a uh, just cross-training for the running. And I've been reading all these other books, uh, North by uh, Scott Jurek and uh, Super Marathon Man, which I'd read before by Dean Carnassus, and then I read one more. But anyways, Born to Run by far was the best out of all of them. Oh, it's such a good it, book. You've read it? Oh, I've read it multiple times. It's yeah. <laughs> so, and it's it's less. I like the other books. Um, North by Scott Jerk was probably my second favorite one. The other two were fine, but they're a little too per, not in a bit. Like if I was as fit as those guys doing those things, they would do. I would want to talk about my accomplishments as well. So I'm not yeah. knocking them for that. Born to Run is the most like a. I'm gonna teach you something. Like obviously Christopher McDougall, he participates in um, this race. But it's mm-hmm. all this other information about this tribe in Mexico and different, 
you know, how running has progressed and evolution and all these different things and stories about all these out of these world people and these wacky characters. It's a really good. Yeah. Like, Blanco. Yeah. If you're into different in like endurance events or anything like that, not just running. And uh, actually uh, when I, when I was looking at my Goodreads and I was giving it a rating, I gave it a five out of five, for whatever that's worth. Um, like I, I'd actually seen a lot of the people I follow on Goodreads had uh, read it. It's good stuff. I yeah. It. It's been, it's been probably three or four years since I read it, but I used to read that probably at least once every other year just cause okay. I just, I just like reading the book and it just, it makes me motivated to run. I haven't been running that much lately. Uh, this year I've been doing mostly biking. Um, but I think now that the, all the work stuff is over, I want to start running and swimming again and hopefully get back into triathlon next year. Yeah, well, there's there's a book to motivate someone for him to look for that. I guess. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. What else do we have on the other Are nonsense you, list? You still following hockey, or did you drop out? I once the Canes were eliminated, which was um, devastating. I've just been like keeping up with the score and stuff. Yeah. Scores and stuff. Yeah, I've been watching a decent amount even since the Blues dropped out. I'm in some ways I'm enjoying it more just because I don't have the emotional attachment to it. You know, I mean, I'm definitely rooting for a couple teams at this point, but with the blues, you know, it's like, Oh, the other team scores and, you know, it's breaking my heart. Now it's like, ah, whatever. (laughs) Right. So yeah, I'm enjoying watching the series that are going now. So, so our deal is like we cycle our streaming deals. And so like, not like, I just don't see the point in having like five of them going. So we dropped HBO Max when um, playoffs started, and we yeah. we always get NHL TV. So then we switch, dropped HBO Max, and we picked up YouTube TV for hockey playoffs because they're blacked out on NHL TV. Yada yada yada. Well, once the Canes are out, I was like, it was right around the time I was going to renew. It's like, okay, I'll drop YouTube TV, and uh, we'll switch to some. We're actually doing a bunch of PBS stuff right now. So like when we're ready for more HBO stuff, I'll go back to HBO, but. Like, at one point, I was going through all our streaming stuff. It's like, we're not even watching sure. this right now. So that's the reason why is because we don't have cable, so I'm not able to watch them unless I have some streaming service that provides it. Yeah. And I'm not – like, I, I well, you can watch them. Like, I know there's there's subreddits for streaming, sporting events, all that stuff. But Yeah. Main thing is I just want Vegas to lose. Yeah. Yeah, you and me both. Vegas and Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't Tampa mind Tampa. Bay. They got they got they got Pat Maroon, and I'm a, I'm a fan of his. He's a he's a St. Louis guy, and I wouldn't mind seeing him win three years yeah, in they, a row. They also have a a uh, a salary that's above the cap too. So yeah, I heard about that, and <laughs> just... I didn't really I didn't know what was going on, but I heard people talking about. It. To be honest, I'm rooting for I'm rooting for the Habs just because. So am I. Yeah, why shouldn't they win? Well, and they, the they got Joel they Edmondson too, who I was a fan of when he was in St. Louis. Yeah, but did you see his dirty hit on? Uh... Well, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't remember the hit a, was, but the, okay, I gotta say, the NHL is—they <laughs> have the best sport in the world and the worst league in the world. I mean, I have no idea what the NHL refs are even doing out there. Yeah, it, it has been. I mean, you saw. I mean, bad, I know. I know everybody hates Perry anyway, but he got right. like a baseball swing to the face. Right. They had to stop play to clean the blood up off the ice, and they're like, "Yeah, I didn't see anything." <laughs> it's and then like I saw you know one of those like onion esque websites. It's yeah. like uh, manic man. Man charged with murder, but released because the only eyewitness was a hockey. Yeah. Or something like that, yeah. <laughs> 
here's I want I want Montreal to win. Like that's who I'm cheering for now. But my problem with Montreal is they fucking riot when they lose. Like <laughs> like they run it like I hate Montreal fans for that. It's like, good God, get yeah. over yourself. Like, oh, here they go again. They're Remember when in the Vancouver playoffs, won a few years ago? And there was that couple that was, like, basically having sex on the street <laughs> in, the in the middle of the, of the riots. Riot, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Here's a link that's the top five craziest Montreal hockey riots in the city. So, 86, <laughs> 2008, 2010. 95 and 93 so um in 93 there's two and a half million dollars in damages i think the ones that stick out to me are probably the 2008 ones but i it's either 2008 or 2010 but so and i love like i think do they write win or lose or just when they lose well we'll find out if they win (laughs) the deal with them is like they haven't won so it's just when they lose yeah um, oh, When's the last oh, time they won? Was it like the seventies? Well, Nineteen eighty-six Stanley Cup win. Okay. They rioted, so okay. um, that was number five. And I guess they won in ninety-three as well. Okay. But so, hundred plus people. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so, so stupid. Uh, Canadians. I do love like I think those the half jerseys are just some of the slickest in sports. I, they're just so simple, but I, I like them. Yeah the canes uh such an interesting season for them and the jets have just been once shifley was out well i lost a lot of fire for the jets when line i got traded but there are several players on the jets that i still really like i like blake wheeler i like mark shifley yeah. but then once mark shifley got suspended and is will be suspended for the first game of the season uh it's like yikes that's uh that's yeah the rumors the rumor mill says that st louis is going to trade for matthew kachuk Really? Yeah, which he's obviously his dad played here and he's just really like the 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 prototypical type of player that we like in St. Louis, you know, a little dirty. He's got some scoring touch. Yeah, I think he'll be very popular here if he comes here. Better than Brady. I really don't like Brady. Yeah, I think (laughs) I think the big thing is uh, it's going to be interesting to see who goes to Seattle. Yes. That's uh, have they reached a um a bargaining have they reached an agreement with the players association or is that going to go I on don't after this? No, I think a lot of that stuff can't officially happen until the playoffs are over so but I probably I would assume so. I mean yeah. that's going to be the biggest deal for Seattle, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting. I mean when Vegas so like when Vegas was doing that is when I really got into hockey, so that was such yeah. an exciting time. Um man, you want to talk about like Look, just like everyone else, I don't like the Avalanche. But it's so funny to me, like, how Vegas was this, like, darling story from a few years ago. And, like, now everyone hates Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I that's definitely true. They've really fallen out of favor, and they're like the new Colorado yeah. Avalanche. I mean, they have Mark Stone. That's a good right. reason to hate a team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the couple that got married in the winter of the game? The no. Vegas game? Yeah, they were like they had pictures of them. I don't watch the game, but they got married in Vegas, and then they had tickets to one of the playoff games. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, they're obviously wildly popular down there, so that's good to see. You know? Yeah, I think I'm I'm a little 
in my non-expert opinion, I'm a little concerned with everything moving to Vegas because the rumor mill now is that they'll get an NBA team, right? Oh, really? I hadn't heard yeah. that. I, so it's, it's like uh, how much? Is, uh, are the Raiders going next year? Are they They're already? There. That's They're a there. done deal, right? That's yes. Yep. Huh. Um, I mean, for a while they were like not allowed to because everyone's like, "Oh, people are going to gamble on sports," and like, you think? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, imagine that. Um, and now, about... now Fox Sports is called Ballet Sports. <laughs> oh, yeah, which is, I mean, that, that really messed up baseball this year, too, <laughs> with watching. On, I can't even. I think last time we talked, I was talking about, I was, like, cautiously optimistic about the Cardinals, and now they're just, I mean, they've fallen off the map. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the, the Royals had a great start to the season, and then they have they had a 10-game losing streak, and then they had a 6-game losing streak, and but then they go and take two out of three against Boston and then like get swept by Detroit. And this, they're exciting and can be really fun to watch this year, but they're also like super. Well, Detroit must be on an upswing because I think they just swept us today. <laughs> yeah. I, well, <laughs> the problem with that is they're Detroit. I, yeah. I actually watched a little bit of that game um, to, or not. I listened to it uh, just cause I have some fantasy players on, on Detroit. Um, yeah, the Vegas thing is interesting to me because Vegas as a whole is interesting to me because who the hell wants to live there? Like their heat wave right now, and like <laughs> yeah, I, I've I thought I heard something about like not allowing people to grow grass there, which makes complete sense to me. But then like stop allowing golf courses there. Yeah, Freaking dumb. Stop going to Vegas. It's hot. Well, they definitely the won't desert. get a baseball team because who's going to play baseball in the summer? But you know, football right. and hockey makes more sense. NBA, yeah, and, again, and, and NBA inside. makes sense. Right. I really think. Kansas City should get I well I wanted them to get a hockey team. Um I think Kansas City could probably do another team but that's a whole thing. They've the, I don't know if we've talked about it, but the Sprint Center is Kansas City's indoor arena thing. And they've always said that they make more money without having a regular team there than yeah, they would if you know when, which I don't when the buy Rams into. left they said that here, but it always kind of felt like they were saying, oh, oh we don't need them anyway. <laughs> That's well, okay. The Rams is even worse because like it's eight games okay, a year. Right. So at most, even if you get home field advantage, it's 11 games a year. Yeah. And if they're good, meaning you're playing 11 games there, you're probably going to have a good, like, yeah. in down years, maybe not, but like, what else are you going to run at us on 11 o'clock on a Sunday? You right. know? Right. Yeah, I think that's a bullshit. Like, yeah, maybe I buy it with hockey and basketball, but still, it's only <laughs> forty-one games. Yeah, and like, I don't know. They turn those things so like, Carolina does it. They have events and they play men's basketball there for NC State. So I, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Talked about RPGs. Talked about Euros. Talked about Viking. Where talked about our drinks. Talked about hockey. Where I talked about historic fest. Anything else to talk about? I don't think so. Are we going to record again before Historic Fest, or are we going to wait We will. After? So, yeah, um, because before, because I want to get a July episode out. So we'll, we'll you'll hear from us one more time before Historic Fest. Make sure you sign up by July 4th, or if you're not interested in the tickets, uh, sign up beforehand. Um, let's see. A few things are full or are near full. So, like, Dinner with Mitch is full. We saw Space with Mike, um, which is at Garozo's, which is like a – Kansas City staple Italian place just down the road from the convention center. Um, the learn to play next war. Uh, some of the learn to play stuff is filling up. 
learn to play the last hundred yards with Mike is not because Mike is basically agreed just to make himself available on the convention <laughs> if anyone wants to sit down and learn with him, which you'll get a very good teaching from Mike. Uh, so that's really cool. So some of those things are filling up, but we have lots of space. And like the uh, the GCACW game is going to have uh, plenty of space. The U.S. Civil War is a little bit crowded to learn to play. So if you're interested in those things, sign up. Um, we have plenty of space for open gaming, but some of the events do have uh, limited space just so they function well. Uh, I think that's it. We have a Discord. Uh, let me know if you want an invite. Uh, Pretty active Discord. Page. Join us there. It's a good discussion. Yeah, that's good stuff. Talk about the land speed of hippopotamus and sci-fi books <laughs> and talk about uh, board game companies and how they make silly mistakes. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, Facebook group, which I will admit I just kind of forget about. But it's there. Maybe I'll try to keep remembering it's there. I've got a YouTube channel that I really slacked on. Probably the camera's probably buried under a mountain of unpainted plastic is the <laughs> real reason. Um, well, yeah. you only record when you're drinking, so it leads to forgetfulness. There you go. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, we're on Twitter. Um, at History Table Pod. Rich? Trapeer Jr. That's me. That's Rich. Uh, okay. I think yeah, I just remembered something. Yeah, go for it. STO Wargamers? We're gonna have a face to face this month. Nice. Yeah, I think we're gonna get back together. Uh, Do you mean July or June? July. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Third third Saturday in July, we're gonna have a, a regular face to face gaming day. Miniature Market is opening up. Um, there, they still have some restrictions. Like you can only have like up to three tables for up to four hours, and you have to reserve it the week before. So technically, nothing's official until we actually get that reservation. But we're planning on doing face to face this month. That's awesome. First I, time since last February, I guess. I told our uh, KC group that we'll look at it when, uh, and by look at it, I mean do it once Historic Fest is over. Yeah. The interesting thing is that Tabletop has completely changed their game room. And I think, I could be wrong about this, I think like you now have to pay to reserve tables or uh. maybe... It uh, and it may only be like they came up with some like theme rooms and stuff which are really cool like they have different paintings on the wall and you're kind of secluded from it may only apply to that which Roger McGowan art <laughs> yeah right 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 no 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 like RPG <laughs> stuff um so I'll find out but yeah we should be back in August that's awesome to hear you guys are back at it yeah I'm looking forward to it I don't know what we're gonna play yet like I said we we can't even do it officially until like the week before but we definitely have enough interest that we're gonna get together yeah tell those uh. Those those St. Louis bums that are dragging their feet that they can <laughs> bum a ride with the rest of you guys down to Historic Fest. Yeah, we'll do. The uh, the vertical war gamer himself. Yeah, I don't know what his deal is. He needs to get going on something. Well, I think I know what his deal is, but Todd. It's personal. <laughs> you you can poke Todd the yeah uh, get, wardrobe. Get Todd. Yeah, wardrobe. <laughs> get all the celebrities. <laughs> That's right, wardrobe vertical gamer. Oh yeah, we need to get Todd to show up in his robe. You can get the the horizontal gamer if that guy's out there too, upside down gamer, orthogonal gamer, orthogonal gamer. Yeah, tell those bums they can ride down with you guys. I'm volunteering you guys for that. Yeah, St. Louis convoy. Yeah, definitely. If I was Adam Chance, this is where I'd cue in the uh, convoy. Music. <laughs> He's coming. 
Adam is coming. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, we're we're gonna play Mall Madness. That's the game I'm most excited for. <laughs> Mall Madness. Or no, was it Mall Madness or was it? It wasn't Dream Date or Dream Phone or whatever. <laughs> I thought it was Mall Madness. Uh, now now I gotta check. Uh, if you're bring if your you're daughter. In, <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested in. Scroll, scroll. It is Mall Madness. If you're interested in playing Mall Madness at Historic Fest, please uh, <laughs> reach out to Mr. Adam Chance. That's the uh, uh, game. His- that he's Historicals most 80 th- 80s themed game. That's right. That's right. All right. You got anything else? No, I don't think so. Go okay. hockey. Anyone, anyone, anyone but Vegas. <laughs> yeah. Anyone but how? What's the. I, I know Tampa Bay blew out the Islanders, but what's that? Tampa's at? up three to two, and they're three winning right now, so okay. they're probably about to advance. Oh, two, it's two two with ten seconds left. Oh wow, they must have just scored. Sorry if I spoiled the game for you. <laughs> yeah, as you're listening to this podcast, two days or a week from now, you're gonna be <laughs> mad that we spoiled Game Six. <laughs> ah, what the heck? <laughs> nice. All right, that's gonna do it for us, folks. Uh, we'll be back next month before Historic Fest. Uh, if you have any questions or anything, shoot us an email at hitchtablepodcast at gmail.com. We also uh, we've got a podcast channel on our Discord where you can ask questions. That's where all our listener questions came from this episode. We've got a Patreon. If you want to get a Patreon pick, just consider uh, supporting our show. We do a patron chat, which we'll do June's later this month, and we'll probably do July's uh, sometime before Historic Fest as well. We just hang out and talk about uh, war games or current jobs or whatever else we just want to talk about i'm so mad for not painting his buddies that's all fair conversation <laughs> in the, uh, in the all right folks that's it good night everyone